This is Dr. Bill Griffin, and it's time once more for another episode of Dental Soundbites. Today's guest, Dr. Perry Stamatiades, practices dentistry in Asheville, North Carolina, less than two hours away from CMDA headquarters here in Bristol, Tennessee. Dr. Stamatiades is the founder and CEO of Zoe Dental, a comprehensive multi-doctor practice he founded in 2005. A graduate of the UNC Chapel Hill Adams School of Dentistry, he holds fellowships in the International Congress of Oral Implantologists and the International College of Dentists. In 2014, he was awarded his mastership with the Academy of General Dentistry. He's authored a book released in 2018 called Saving Your Smile, Your Guide to a Healthier Smile and a Healthier You. Dr. Stamatiades believes strongly in giving back to the community. He's orchestrated a free day of dentistry through his office by creating his own philanthropic entity, Servants of Smiles, as well as providing a free day of dentistry for veterans in November with Smiles for Freedom. Let's join Dr. Stamatiades now. Dr. Stamatiades, thank you for being my guest today on Dental Soundbites. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity, Bill. Thank you. Well, recently I was speaking with Jamie Majeski, one of my teammates here at CMDA, and she spoke enthusiastically about her time with you a few weeks ago. I don't remember her exact words, but the heart of it was, Griff, you've got to meet this guy. And Jamie hasn't misled me yet, so I'm glad for the opportunity to talk with you today. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jamie is, um, is, has been a great advocate for the CMDA. In my short time in getting to meet her in person, she truly has a passion for what she does and for, and for her faith. So you're, you're fortunate to have her. Every organization should have a Jamie. <laughs> Agreed. Now, although you're classified as a general dentist, I'm aware that you've received a lot of specialized training in a number of different areas. Share with our listeners a bit about the extent of your clinical practice. We are considered a general practice uh, where we do the, the basic uh, dental cleanings, fillings, crowns, uh, whitening cosmetic procedures. But we also offer to our patients uh, more in-depth treatments such as root canals, uh, surgeries extending from simple extractions to wisdom teeth removal to placements of implants. We also have uh, doctors in our practice who um, provide dental sleep medicine as well as uh, Botox treatments for uh, dental conditions. So it's been a, a blessing for our patients because, you know, it, least for dentistry, I'm sure in other medical fields as well, there's a lot of fear that accompanies a patient when they walk into our office. They're usually awake for the procedures and a lot of them had bad experiences, mm -hmm. uh, especially as children. So the opportunity to offer them to have everything done in one place where they don't have to go to another specialist or go to and, and meet another doctor and get to know their team, they feel comfortable. And once we earn their trust, we're able to <clears throat> provide a, a lot of different services to help them reach optimal oral health. I, I can see how that would be a great convenience for your patients. As a general practitioner, there will always be some situations where in the best interest of the patient, you have to refer the patient elsewhere. But it yes. seems like that happens far less in your practice. We want to do the best for our patients. We all, all I believe all physicians do. Mm -hmm. We have our specialists right there if we need them. If there, mm -hmm. there's some extractions that, you know, tend to you know, be more involved or if there are other uh, root canals that just seem to be 
you know, this will be very difficult. You want to put your patient in the right hands. Right. Is there one particular aspect of clinical care that you enjoy the most? You know, I, I, I really enjoy being a general dentist because I can't see myself doing one thing all the time. But out of all of it, I, I think I enjoy the surgery the most mm. just because when you see the patient um, and a lot of some of the patients that we see need full mouth rehabilitation, you see all the disease, all the broken teeth, the inflamed tissue. Um, so you're starting at ground zero and you're able to kind of get in there and clean things up, sometimes you can place some implants. And then uh, when things heal, you have this canvas now where you can rebuild their teeth. So surgery is kind of, kind of what I kind of gravitate to the most. It's beautiful to see how sometimes when you can do something, even something relatively simple for a patient, that that, that can help them realize that their greatest needs are not the physical, but the spiritual. And that can open doors to speaking of, of God's grace. And that's why I enjoy dentistry the most. You know, I, I thought about being a, a physician. And I really enjoyed when I was in college, I followed around a, an internist and I really enjoyed the relationships that they had with their patients. Mm-hmm. But a lot of their treatments were abstract, usually prescribing medications mm-hmm. or, you know, managing disease such as diabetes. And then I followed around a, a orthopedic surgeon and I really enjoyed the concreteness of their, you know, they're able to see a problem physically fix the problem, which I thought was was really great too, but they didn't really have the relationship as much as the internist, the family practitioner. Right. Dentistry brought everything together for me where I was able to build the relationships with the patients, grow with the patients, but still had this tactile ability to see a problem and help fix that problem and see the patient improve. Uh, it almost gives kind of closure. It's been a wonderful field and the most exciting part is being able to to create those relationships with those patients. Yes, and also the privilege as a general practitioner to see a, a patient over time. I can think of patients that I knew for two or three decades, and to see their uh, physical progression to get to that point where they're relatively disease-free and on a maintenance basis, and also to see the Lord work spiritually in their lives to help them to more tap into the blessings that are that are in Christ. You know, once you build those relationships, you know, the, the patients start to trust you mm-hmm. and you know, we're also fortunate in, in dentistry, too, where we have an intimate um, time with the patient, you know, uh, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. We happen to have uh, sliding doors in our, our operatories, so all the operatories are, are private. And it's amazing, um, you know, where some of the conversations go. You know, we're, we're talking about weddings and graduations and new, new births. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, we've had patients break down in the chair you know, talking about a, a disease of a loved one or a loss of a loved one. Right. And that's, right. that's when you're there. And that's when you can listen to the patient. If you know they're of faith, you can ask if you can pray for them. Mm-hmm. Again, we physically heal people, but part of being a physician is also trying to help them spiritually in the best way we can, being part of the church. The church is not a building. The church is mm-hmm. the people that comprise uh that, that go into the building. So it's the community. And, and that gives us the ability to really connect in a deeper level than just fixing their immediate need, dental need. You know, it certainly seems like you qualify as a jack of all trades in light of the broadness of the spectrum of dentistry you provide. Yet I'd certainly not be inclined to complete that part about master of none. In fact, I know that you've attained the distinction of a master in the Academy of General Dentistry, which only about 1% of dentists reach. Was that a goal of yours in the beginning or something that just happened over time? You know, uh, I did a, a GPR residency and my director, 
he was a master in the Academy of General Dentistry. And for those who are not in dentistry, the, there's you first have to get your fellowship. So really, my most immediate goal was to be a, a fellow. And I thought, there's, gosh, I'm going to be an old man if I ever become a master. There's just no way. But with the, being challenged by my director, uh, Dr. Jim Curtis, who was just a fantastic clinician, he pushed me and the, my other fellow residents to, to try to be the best we can be. And that was a long-term goal. So once I had my fellowship behind me, it was kind of like, okay, let's see what I can do. And let's see you know, what this can take me. It can only improve my patient care. You know, if anything, if I don't attain it, you know, getting there, mm-hmm. shooting for that goal, it's only going to help my patients with the things I've learned. But you know, with God giving me patience and diligence, and um, you know, just being disciplined, I was able to achieve it. At the end of the day, it's 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 nice as a personal you know accomplishment. But at the end of the day, it's my patients who, who win. That's a great way to consider it. Now, a few years ago, you wrote a book, uh, a book called Saving Your Smile, Your Guide to a Healthier Smile and a Healthier You. What inspired you to write this book, and, and what were the key points you sought to communicate? Well, I started noticing we, we have a, a great patient base. We see all kind of walks of life from um, educational backgrounds, to economic backgrounds. And it, it was just amazing to me how a lot of people didn't value their teeth and, and being proactive and taking care of things before they got worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, you know, Western North Carolina where I practice, there, there's some patients whose parents have had dentures, their grandparents have dentures mm-hmm. and they're just set on having dentures. So it was a way to communicate and educate my patients. This is not a book for the dental professional or medical professional. The first part of the book, the last half of the book is truly just a guide where they can flip to their decade of life and kind of read kind of what they need to expect, you know, as far as, you know, when you're a child, kind of what the sealant, what are some other things as far as exfoliating teeth and orthodontics. And as you get older, you know, what are crowns? You know, all these fillings that we've had as kids eventually don't last forever and they need to be restored and repaired. And typically crowns usually come in at that point all the way to the end where we talk about dementia and, you know, taking medications that cause dry mouth and create other issues for the elderly patient. So um, the first half of the book, though, kind of talks about, you know, how oral health impacts your total health. And um, I have um, stories um, of, you know, people uh, throughout the country through different news media outlets that have um, passed away because they let an infection go too far. I think we take for granted our smile and unfortunately in our society, we're very, we're, we're still very judgmental or superficial. Mm-hmm. Having a nice smile or being, can create confidence, just boost your self-esteem. Sometimes it, it can help us, you know, in getting a job or even uh, any selecting a mate, you know, somebody to spend time with. And unfortunately, because we are a little superficial when it comes to how we see others, you know, this book just kind of tries to talk about how, how important oral health is in general to society. And I think the last pearl was, you know, just about just being proactive. Uh, so many patients kick the can down the road and they want to patch and patch and patch. And sometimes they just don't understand that there's only so much you can patch. And eventually you may even lose the tooth before you can fix it properly. So I have no um, delusions of <laughs> my book. Being a top seller, it is a dental book, 
but it has really helped a lot of patients, especially within my own practice, kind of understand the value of their teeth, the value of their oral health, and encourage them to, to seek more proactive treatments for themselves. Right. Well, I appreciate what you're saying, that uh, a healthy smile relates to a number of different areas, the, the self-esteem factor and also just the ability to digest food because people who lose their natural dentition don't get nearly as much nutrition out of the food that they eat. And you're reminding me, Perry, about a uh, dentist friend who I met through CMDA, Dr. Whit Wilkerson, who is heavily involved in the connection between oral health and systemic health. And a lot could be said about that topic. In fact, Dr. Wilkerson is one of our speakers for the national convention uh, next March. So I'll put in a plug for that. I hope many of our audience get to hear him. And it sounds like your book belongs in every dental waiting room in America. I hope that uh, many of our listeners consider what a blessing it would be for our patients to understand what you've just briefly described. You know, some of my colleagues have found it easy to kind of flip to a certain page and say, you know, look, Mrs. Jones, this is, you know, read this section. This is kind of where I see you are now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. these are some of the things that can happen, or this is what you need to look out for. So it's kind of a just just a way to help relate patients in a very basic non-medical jargon way of what they need to do to improve their oral health and how it really truly is important. And you're right, the systemic overall health with heart disease, uh, COPD, di- I know exacerbating diabetes. There's so many different things that years and years and years ago, I think our dental um, community and the medical community were kind of kind of separate. But as the years have gone by, I, I see how dentistry, the people, physicians are coming with this holistic approach and realizing, yes, there is a connection to the, the mouth and to the rest of the body. It's, it's, it's not separate. And we need to um, work together in educating our patients on uh, truly being holistically healthy. Now, in addition to the patients you see regularly in private practice, you've also been heavily involved in providing treatment for the dentally needy. Tell us how that came about. I got into dentistry because I, I loved helping people. You know, growing up, my parents, my grandparents, you know, my, my church community always instilled in me this um, sense of giving back and, mm-hmm. and serving others. So when I got out of dentistry, when I got out of school, let's say, when I got out of dental school, there was a local dental clinic, the ABCCM here in Nashville, uh, which is a um, Christian medical clinic uh, supported by many different churches and many different dom- denominations to help the community in different ways. They were giving clothing, food, shelter. They also opened up a medical ministry. So I would go once a month and do free surgery for those in need. And I really enjoyed it. I did that for a number of years. Then uh, eventually I got married and um, <clears throat> had started having a family. And I, and I couldn't, you know, work all day and then and, and just kind of neglect my family in the evening. You know, I truly believe God wanted me to be a dentist and help heal people in, the, in this way. But I, I also know that he wanted me to be a father and I wanted to be a good one. I think that's even a, a bigger role because it's about God and Christ and, and how they're supposed to live their lives. So I, I felt torn. I really wanted to help, but I felt this pull to be home with my family. Mm-hmm. Eventually I said, well, we know why there were some other clinics that the North Carolina Adult Society, they were called Missions of Mercy. Mm-hmm. They would do large clinics and in, in school gyms where Forty dentists from around the area, all over North Carolina, would come and uh, serve for a whole weekend and do dentistry for free. And I was like, why can't I do that on a smaller level? Why can't I do that within my office with my community? And I found an organization that are based out of uh, Tampa, Florida, 
what's called Dentistry from the Heart. It's a 501c. And they help you advertise. They've had insurance for you to cover if you needed extra umbrella insurance for your practice. And uh, we were able to do a day of dentistry under their umbrella, which was really nice. We've worked with them since 2013, and we do a free day of dentistry every year. But when COVID hit, unfortunately, they no longer exist, um, at least on the national level. So I decided, I was like, you know, this is a, this is a moment. I think um, maybe I can step in and, and, and try, to, try to fill that void. So we've um, been working to try to bring this entity back, we created a, an entity called Servants of Smiles. Uh, we've been running under that name since COVID, and we currently have a URL. We're working on putting together a website, and my, my hope, my goal is that we can take Servants of Smiles and grow that, that entity and see what fruit it can bear. Hopefully, you have other general dentists who want to give back, mm-hmm. share processes, share what we can do to support them, and have them do a clinic within their own office. But it's something I'm very passionate about, and it's a fact that a lot of great employees are also passionate about it. And, you know, it's, um, we do well, I do well as a dentist. Mm-hmm. And giving back in this way, my office donates 10% of our uh, profits to other organizations. But, you know, we've been blessed with the special gift to heal, and there's so many people that need dental services that can't afford them that I really felt driven to try to offer this to our community and hopefully other dentists will reach out and maybe we can we can grow this. Well that's tremendous. I didn't realize that that what you're doing there is reproducible. If somebody wanted to learn more about what you're doing to perhaps consider doing it within their office somewhere else in our country, how could they get in touch with you? Dr. Stamatiades at zoedental.com or just call my office at Zoe Dental and, and leave your name and email and I'll reach out to you. We're not a 501c yet, mm-hmm. but if you're wanting to do something within your office, give me a call. I'm an open book. I will share our processes. I'll tell you all the things we've learned over the last 10 years of what to do, what worked well, what didn't work well. You know, it doesn't have to be big. You know, even if you just see a, a few patients, that's a start, but it's going to take time to develop all this. But if somebody wants to get started, uh, just just give me a call or shoot me an email and let me know how I can help. Let me know what what gaps you have that I can help fill and have you promote this in your own community. Now, regarding the the leadership of your practice, what are some of the ways that you encourage the spiritual development of your team? That's a difficult question because, you know, um, faith is very personal. But the first thing I do is I, I just try to be open and honest about my faith. Mm-hmm. One main thing is just getting to know the employees and talking to them about themselves and getting to encourage them to reach for their goals. And if they have questions, you know, just kind of open the door for conversation. And when COVID hit, we did add a a chaplaincy program as a benefit for employees and their families. Hmm. We have a male and female chaplain. They are Mm non-denominational. And most of my my team, I would probably say is probably more Protestant or non-denominational. So I wanted to bring somebody that would be able to, to serve them, but they're not there to evangelize. They're there to listen, to be a shoulder to lean on, uh, to give support. And uh, once a quarter, I meet uh, with the chaplains and they kind of give me a report, not of personal conversations, private conversations, but just of general topics. And um, I've been amazed how many team members have reached out about you know, family issues, relationship issues, 
children issues, health issues, discussions about, you know, somebody who's considering a spouse who's considering suicide. So, you know, by offering the service, it, it kind of gets my employees to kind of think about maybe their own spirituality in their own way. Again, opening, doing these volunteer days gives them the opportunity to serve. You know, we've sponsored couples, to, the employees and their spouses to go to um, a weekend to remember a couples retreat, which is a Christian-based couples um, getaway. Mm-hmm. Also, we've even brought in speakers to help talk to them about financial stewardship and how they can um, be good stewards of the blessings God's given them. So, you know, as far as like empowering them, God works, Christ works in his, his own way. And um, just think of opportunities for people to experience what it is like to try to follow a Christian code, what it's like to serve others, uh, what it's like to be kind to others, opens up the opportunity for them to find the faith in themselves. You know, God gives us free will. We can choose to follow or not follow. And it's not my job to push somebody through that door. I feel my job is to open the door and give opportunities where Christ can work within them. Well, Perry, what's come across loud and clear during our time together today is is that your your faith in Christ has inspired you to provide the very best you can for your patients and, and also to provide for many of those who cannot afford regular care. And, and my prayer is that our conversation today will serve as an encouragement to our members as they seek to serve Christ through the care that they provide. So thanks very much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Bill. It's great to hear the many ways that the Lord is working through Dr. Perry Stamatiades in Asheville, North Carolina. I know that each of you listening in on this podcast have the same desire he does, to rightly recognize how the Lord will use you through dentistry. And we have many opportunities in this regard, to show the love of Christ to our patients and fellow team members, to provide much needed dental care to the needy, both in this country and also internationally, and to pray for and financially support the cause of Christ through various ministries. What great possibilities the Lord has provided for us. Now I'll turn it over to Jamie Majeski, our Associate Director of Dental Stewardship, to learn about three great opportunities we have as CMDA members. Are you ready to live missionally as a healthcare student, trainee, or professional? Registration is now open for Remedy 23, Healthcare on Mission which will be held on February 24th and 25th at California Baptist University and on April 14th and 15th at Liberty University. Missional living in healthcare has always involved swimming upstream, but it seems to be getting harder. Our culture, workplaces, and institutions are not as friendly to faith as they once were. Living on mission for Jesus and setting biblical principles as our true north can be hard. Remedy 23 will challenge you to grow in your understanding of what missional living looks like. For some, missional living will ultimately involve a plane ride to move to a far-off place for long-term service. For others, missional living happens in our own communities, institutions, and workplaces here in the U.S. What does it look like for you? Join us for Remedy 23 and find out. For more information and to register, 
visit cmda.org remedy. Have you registered yet for the 2023 CMDA National Convention? Time is ticking away and you don't wanna miss your chance to reserve your spot. This year, we are gathering together in the Cincinnati, Ohio area at the Northern Kentucky Convention Center on April 27th through 30th. This convention provides great opportunities to learn about current health and social issues, renew your faith through worship, and network with other Christian healthcare professionals and exhibiting organizations. Don't wait. Visit natcon.cmda.org to register today. Are you interested in short-term mission trips? Well, now is the time to start thinking about signing up for a global health outreach trip. GHO sends teams around the world to places like El Salvador, East Africa, India, the Pacific, Central Asia, Nicaragua, the Middle East, and many others. Through these trips, we disciple participants, grow national churches, share the gospel, and provide care to the poor and needy. Our teams minister in outpatient primary care medicine and dentistry, and in small and large hospitals to provide surgical services. If you are interested in using the skills and resources the Lord has entrusted to you, please visit cmda.org gho to learn more and find a trip that works in your schedule. I plan to take advantage of all three of these events Jamie just mentioned at the Remedy Conference from April 14th to 15th at Liberty University, at the National Convention from April 27th to 30th in the Cincinnati area, and I also hope to be part of a GHO team later this year. Join me at whichever of these events best works with your schedule. In closing, thank you for partnering with CMDA. Because of your support, the Lord is expanding our dental ministry in new and exciting ways, and to God be the glory. Until next time, God bless. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.